This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book, Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. We're taking the time today to reflect on money news from this month and from this year. We'll find out how news stories affect you and your personal finances. Also, it's Tuesday morning, so a great day to call in with your own personal finance questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or email the show money at mpbonline.org. <clears throat> so good morning to you both. Hope you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, any excitement uh, this past weekend? Well, the excitement right now is there's just a big platter of Christmas goodies <laughs> in the break room, and we're all partaking, and, um, you know, with mouths full, we're trying to get through this. That's right. Usually it's on Monday they had apologized for eating on the air because that's our cooking show. But as um, as you mentioned, um, the wife of our reading service director brought in some baked goods, and she's always uh, does such a good job and, and quite a variety of tasty stuff to pick oh, from. Oh, Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, So we're going to be talking about some things that were in the news uh, this uh, month and this year. Uh, One thing that was interesting uh, that was pointed out to me by our producer, Liz Gill, is that Equifax is is, uh, extending free credit protection for some people who were involved in, I can't remember when exactly the first data breach was, but it was a huge one. Uh, And I think they gave a year's free protection Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, yeah. So, and uh, the data breach, I believe, was over a, over a year ago now. I think it was in September of last year, and in uh, they immediately offered kind of a free year of some of their services. Um, but in January or February, came out with kind of a new data monitoring service. But this is referring back to one of their one of their services, which they previously charged like. $10 a month for and so they gave everyone like a year free of this and um and part of that you know they hope to lure people and you get the free year and then you know your just credit card keeps on rolling on it but now it looks like they're handing that off to Experian uh which is nice that they have the self-awareness to realize that they can't be trusted with anything and uh, that's a little scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really cuz again you know these are these are huge corporations which you don't really know that you interact with, but you interact with every single day, and they have an immense amount of personal information about you, and um, they don't trust themselves. Yeah, but the, to me, and that's, Liz also pointed that out when she showed me this email that she received because she was under the, the trusted ID uh, was the Equifax program, and mm-hmm. ID Notify is the Experian program. Uh, but it's interesting that, again, as Ryder mentioned, one company is basically saying, well, apparently we can't do this very well, so you do it for us. Right. And an interesting thing that uh, we heard, we 
listened to uh, Attorney General Jim Hood talk about this when it first happened. And he said, you know, the first year is usually not when the problems occur, that these folks who steal our identities might wait until we get a little complacent. And so maybe Mm -hmm. five years out, that's when you start to see activity. So you need to be still vigilant and monitor those things. And uh, one of the things that we mentioned during the time and have mentioned occasionally since then is that you can uh, do some things like uh, f- uh, freezing your credit. Is that the way right. to the correct phrase? Right. You can freeze your credit. And uh, if you do that, and that means that you can't open any new account. So anybody who would pull your credit, they're just going to get a, a big wall that says, no information is released. So be careful about that. If you want to open an account, you need to buy a car and you've frozen your credit, you need to do that a couple of weeks ahead of that. Really, it usually only takes a few days, but go ahead and unfreeze it for that event. And then once you get that done, you can refreeze it. And of course, if you've frozen it at three bureaus, you need to make sure you unfreeze it at three bureaus and then refreeze it at, you guessed it, Three bureaus. And so don't that's, lose that password. So I'm it's just, important. That's going to be really exciting for you if you do that. And if, if I remember correctly, I thought one of them also waived the fee that used to be charged for the freezing. Yes. Yeah. So I think uh, freezing fees are have been eliminated across I think the they board. Have. Uh, I think, and I think that's across the board. Okay. Um, One thing about this, this is Liz, one thing about this uh, Equifax uh, breach and the complimentary trusted ID uh, to check your credit, I did uh, purchase a new car and we applied for a loan at a number of various places to see who we could get the best deal with. And didn't my phone just blow up with all the texts and the emails saying, hey, hey, somebody's looking at your credit report. Somebody's looking at your credit report. So uh, at least in my experience, if you do have someone monitoring your credit, they respond to you if your credit becomes unusually active. And uh, my bank will do that occasionally. I know the one time that apparently... Someone had somehow managed to get my uh, debit card number. Uh, the bank basically called me up and said, "Hey, we have this four hundred dollar transaction in New Jersey. This looks kind of suspicious. Is this mm-hmm. you?" And I told them no. So because they know you never go to New Jersey, <laughs> <laughs> Florida, New York, yes, you, New That's, York, but not New, New Jersey. Exactly. They listen to his shows. <laughs> but anyway, so companies are beginning to be a little bit more. Uh, proactive in, in trying to help out people to avoid, uh, you know, uh, ID theft. And, and well, and understand they're it. doing that because they are subject to liability, and that's becoming more of an issue as we're saying, wait a minute, you have our data, you need to protect it. So if you have a personal finance question for Nancy and Ryder this morning, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. So we'll start our conversation off about the stock market in this last uh, month we? or so. Must we? <laughs> What's well, been rather a, a kind of a wild ride, I guess. Yeah, I think I think the word of the day is volatility because we had a long stretch of time when we didn't have volatility. So volatility is just how much it moves, and it's been moving a lot, especially even 
during one day. So yesterday, mm-hmm. um, it immediately opened over 400 p- points down on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So I get a phone call from a client who's like, oh, no, we're sitting in front of the TV. We're watching it. And as we're talking, of course, it starts to uh, get less and less negative, And most of that disappears by the end of the day. So we're seeing that a lot of this is uh, looks like to us traders coming in during the day. They're uh, taking advantage if things are low and buying up. And so we see it disappear by the end of the day. If it's high, they're coming in and selling. And so those gains then disappear by the end of the day. Yeah. And that's what we've seen um, kind of after. So that's the beginning of October. Things really started to kind of fall off of the highs of the year and down maybe eight to 10 percent for, you know, in October. Um, But then it just kind of bounced up and down. And so we've we've had, you know, two small peaks since then. And we're kind of hanging out at the at the low for for the year right now. Uh, Although, well, we were up. Um, up this morning when I checked, but, yeah, but by it, the end of the show, you know, I, I, no, I know no promises because it's it's moving and swinging based on any little bit of news. And so yesterday, the big piece of news was, oh my gosh, what's happening with Brexit? I, I don't know. I'm trying I don't to read think about anyone it. Knows. I'm not no. clear about what they're doing over there. Uh, except something about stealing the mace. Did you see that? Um, in, oh, oh in, that's got to be in funny. Parliament, where they're I, I, they're. You know, the British, they're really odd. (laughs) Um, And and then, of course, any time there's movement with the trade, if it's negative news, oh, the trade talks are off, things drop, oh, they're back on, then they go back the other way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the bigger picture that we look at is really economic data. And so the economy still looks good, but we're concerned about some areas where we're starting to see some erosion, things backing up, some peaks in some areas that mean we might be in for a slowdown. And globally, we are seeing some things slowing. So what about uh, maybe the stock market looking at it for the entire year of 2018? Would you say good, bad, indifferent? Uh, um, f- flat, slightly down, possibly at this point. Okay. Yeah. So, I, But it, it, it's it's been... You know, I mean that. You know, flat to slightly down. You know, I can make that sound super boring, but it has not been a boring year in the stock market. You know, January was up ten percent, and then February was you lost all of that, um, and then it was a it was, it was a healthy climb up from there um, as kind of volatility lessened, and then you know, like Nancy uh, said, you know, we've now everything is just a lot more volatile, um, and and and. People are looking at the smaller bad news in, in any economic report that we have. You know, there's going to be some bad news in it in any sort of uh, world situation. You know, when when things are falling, people are pulling out all of those bad stories. And, and, and that's the narrative we're following. So it's been an exciting it's been an exciting flat market, I guess, is what we can say. So um, if someone isn't directly invested in in the stock market or has no investments, how does the movement of the stock market or what happens at the stock market affect their personal finances? Well, I mean, your your investment portfolio, if you don't invest in stocks, is not exposed. But certainly, you know, uh, you may look at the price of oil and oil stocks and say, oh, well, it's cheaper to 
you know, fill up my tank. And mm-hmm. uh, and so we see the price at the pump is declining. So that, that certainly affects you. Um, if there is some slowing economically, then you will see fewer job opportunities, fewer wage increases. You will start to see some layoffs, and we are seeing some of that. It's not drastic, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that's what my caution is to everyone, even though we're looking at the possibility um, maybe in the next year of a recession, we expect it to be mild. It's not going to be like 2008. At least we don't see those signs at this point. And and one thing to think about the stock market, it's the stock market by itself is you know not going not going to cause a recession. You know we don't just go down 10 percent and it's like oh whoa hey everything was fine yesterday now it's not we're in stress. That's not how it works. But when the stock market is declining or getting more volatile, uh, when interest rates are going up, then it's getting more expensive for companies to borrow money or get money from investors to invest in projects, you know, build new factories, etc. And more um, expensive to buy a house, buy a car, right. all of those loans, things. All those things. All those big long-term investments that that we like and that are great things for the economy. Spending is a lot of the economy, and it's good for it. But but long-term investments are really what makes the economy strong and healthy, um, because those those produce more and more and more economic gains. Um, and so, I mean, one good thing is companies do have a lot of kind of cash on hand. But they also, you know, they also have debt. They also have. They also want to go raise money in the stock market. So the stock market declining, interest rates going up, that makes it harder for them to invest. So that is just part of, part of uh, what contributes to you know slow down economically um, or recession, if that may be the case. We are on Money Talks this morning, reviewing some of the financial news from this past year, but also, as we do each Tuesday, looking for your personal finance questions. So if you have one, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. Do you know what the Dow Jones average was on this date 20 years ago? We'll tell you after the break when we continue our discussion. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Just a reminder that if you ever miss part of the show and want to go back and re-listen to it, you can go to MP... Well, wait a minute. If you've missed the show, you've not listened to it in the first place, so you wouldn't be re-listening to it. You would actually be listening to it for the first time. But anyway, uh, if ever you miss the show and want to find it, go to mpbonline.org slash moneytalks. Uh, all of our shows are, are archived there, so you can uh, reference them when you need them. The other funny one is uh, um, Terry Gross always says... 
for those of us just for those of you just joining us, we're talking to so and so. And I'm like, well, no, it's not for those of us just joining. Everybody is listening to you talk to so and so. Anyway, sorry, little tangent there. Uh, I, I will say I occasionally re-listen because there might be something I remember, some book that's recommended, some website, some piece of information, and I can't remember what it was, so I go back and I find it. Very good. And that's why we have that archive. It's not available just for Money Talks, but all of our local shows on MPB Think Radio. So before the break, we asked what the the Dow closed at on December 11th, 1998. So that's, what, uh, 20 years ago. It was 8,821. Now, just for comparison, I did a quick Google search, and if I'm correct, the Dow is now at 24,651. Any Thoughts on why? Is that an it's is gone up significant? <laughs> it's gone up. Kevin. Uh, let's see. Can we do the math on that? Yeah, <laughs> three times <laughs> went up once, went up again. But uh, it's it's not a straight line, and that's what you have to remember as an investor. And so when we got into ninety nine and two thousand, we have the dot com. A bubble that burst, and we have declines at that point. Um, the The Nasdaq went over five thousand around around that point, and we just now got back to that level and higher in the last couple of years. So that means you need to stay in it in order to reap the benefits. If you have a personal finance question uh, this morning, you can call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. We've been reviewing some of the financial news that's in the news, not only for this past month, but uh, throughout uh, 2018. Uh, One of the other things, uh, Liz Gill, our producer, came up with some articles. Uh, One of the ones that she found talked about uh, businesses not taking cash anymore. And this, I think, is a trend that we've seen in the last uh, several years. Um, Any thoughts on, on, on the trend of not accepting cash? I think it's become more common. You know, even when I go to a flea market or to the farmer's market, you're going to see most of those vendors down there with some way of taking your card to swipe a card, uh, whether it's the square that's attached or some other service that they use so that they can take credit cards or debit cards because that's how we function mainly these days. Um, I was recently in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and went into a new little restaurant there started by college students called Sweet Greens, and they say, we don't take cash. You have to have a card. Meanwhile, we go down the street to get a Philly cheesesteak, and by golly, you better have cash before you get in line. (laughs) Um, So the use of cash is declining. Other countries, they are adapting to that quicker than we are. Um, I think one thing you pointed out, Sweet Green, a very new chain. It's a lot easier for a new establishment to just not even build the cash infrastructure. Um, but but also keep in mind these things, you know, store doesn't stop taking cash unless they know they can. So if if eighty percent of the money they take in is in cash, they're not going to switch over overnight. It's when they see a, a you know a long decline, they're not much, not many of their customers are bringing cash. Um, because consumers, you know, we, we love the convenience of cards. It's way easier to carry a small card than cash. And so, like you pointed out, flea markets, farmer's markets, smaller stores, which didn't used to be able to take card, uh, in the past, maybe say decade, companies like Square and PayPal have just made it so easy for stores to take credit cards. I mean, now there's, I mean, there's practically no excuse for an individual who needs to take money from people 
to 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 not take card. You can text money to your friends now. It's very easy to not use cash, and so as it's become so easy, then that that effect goes really wide because you're not taking out cash to go to the farmers market. So therefore, you don't have cash when you go to the go to the clothing store, or you don't have cash when you go to a restaurant later. A couple of <clears throat> follow-ups. First of all, this is another kind of a crazy one, but you know, you sign a receipt, and I thought that it, that was to try to help show that you were the person, and it wasn't someone that had stolen your card or whatever. <laughs> and they would compare your signature on file. I no, I, no. Can you really compare my signature <laughs> no, when don't. I sign on one of those screens, or I use my that finger? That was my point. You know? Is exactly. They're getting better, but especially one that you have to do with your well, finger. Well, and it, you know, the 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 latest move <laughs> is not to even require a signature. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And and part of that is I, I guess part of the idea with signing is, you know, we can, you know, if it if it ends up being super hotly contested, did you really spend that three ninety five at the grocery store that day? Um if that becomes very contested, yes, we, it can, was me, we can pull I it out. Have, and, but and we can look at and we can look at that receipt. But they will accept anything. Right. I mean they're not comparing that live. Well I'm I waiting. used to put smiley faces and circles and <laughs> you know, because uh when I go to the grocery and I always come out and the uh, Salvation Army, they're ringing in the bell, and I'd like to put a little cash in. Well, I'm getting kind of stuck these days because I don't always have a few dollars to put in. So will they start accepting my card? I think they do. I, think I, they, I, I have seen them are. accept yeah, that. I've, yeah, I've heard that as well. Now, so. whether or not that is legitimate Salvation Army taking your money or just an enterprising young <laughs> bell ringer, I don't know. So Don't give anybody don't, any don't, ideas. But wait, so I just want to go back to the, uh, to the signature, and a lot of people do, you know uh, – with a debit card, you put in your PIN number, you know, putting your signature, putting in a PIN number, things like that. Those are security measures. And I mean, some places, you know, they used to check your ID against your credit card. All those are security measures. And so the reason those are also going away is because cards are getting so much more secure. And, and the chip really part of it, uh, caused a leap in that and that it's much more secure than mm-hmm. that uh, swipe with the, the strip on the card. So the chip made it harder to copy a card. But even when someone steals your card, the c- credit card companies are getting better at recognizing that's not a transaction you would make. And they're also just getting better at, you know, general notifications. People are getting better yeah, at, they at get, catching those you things. You know, I get alerts every exactly. time I use my card. As soon as I swipe mm-hmm. the card at the gas station, um, I'm getting buzzed saying, you know, your card has been used. And Kevin's getting, you know, buzzed about $400 yep. at Target in New Jersey. <laughs> you know, so so as they get more secure, it it just gets easier to spend that, to use that credit card. One other quick thing, and then we'll get to Cindy's call from Benton, uh, she was, who is on the line. But <clears throat> several years ago, before my dad passed away, he had one of those credit cards that had his picture on it. But again, especially at the Amazing. grocery store, where these days they, you don't have to hand your card. You know, it's a machine that you're swiping mm-hmm. or dipping for chipping or whatever. So it's almost like that's become ineffective because – and, and actually – after he died, we were there for his funeral. We Do you were know still what I look like when I go to the grocery card. store? Uh, I would not have that picture on my card. <laughs> but anyway, like I say, so, well, the good thing is you don't have to show the card anymore. You just swipe, and so they can't see the picture anyway. Anyway, uh, Cindy is holding on the line from Benton with a question for us. Cindy, good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, a couple of questions. If you, I'm 58, almost 59, and I have heard couple of things in the past when you think you're maybe say five years out of possibly retiring that you need to go into a less risk with your investments and if you're um 
in having like in four hundred one k at work, is is there a max like fifteen percent of your income? Is that the most you can put into your four hundred one k out of your check? No, you can uh, with a four hundred one k. I believe you may be able to put all of your income up to the limit. The limit is eighteen thousand five hundred this year. It'll be nineteen thousand this year. You, uh, the catch up. Is I think it's just going to be six thousand. It's six thousand this year, and I think it's just going to be the same six thousand. If you're next over year. fifty, so that means that you'll be able to put in twenty five thousand next year. Right, twenty four thousand five hundred this year, twenty five thousand next year. So it's not a percentage; it is a dollar limit mm-hmm. uh, that is governed by federal law. And so you would just need to figure up. How much that would be out of each check, <laughs> right? Right, and 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 you can do, you know, you're generally speaking, uh, that the actual deferral is handled by the payroll department in your company. So if you're like, hey, if you go to them and just say, hey, you know, I'm trying to max this out, you know, could you help me figure up the percentage, or could you help me figure up the dollar amount out of each paycheck, even if you're not trying to max it out, you know, say you're trying to hit twelve thousand or whatever your target is, they can help you with that and. And um, you know, if they're if if you're nice to them and they're nice to you, they'll probably let you kind of adjust it during the year uh, to fit your budget. And the other thing they can do is not only um, show you how you can meet that amount, total amount for the year, they can show you the effect on your paycheck. Because right. every dollar you contribute to a 401k to a retirement plan is a not a dollar less on your paycheck because it you don't take tax out on it. So that's a huge advantage. Now, let me go back to the other question, which which is, you know, you're late 50s, you're a few years away from retirement. Um, how conservative should you get? You should be all through your work period gradually getting a little more conservative, a little more in bonds on the fixed income side um, as you approach uh, retirement age. Now, just because you retire doesn't mean you're going to take all the money out at once. This is lifetime money. So you still need probably some exposure to the stock market even in retirement, because that's where you'll get your best return. And so it's not necessarily taking everything out and going into something totally safe. The only time I would recommend doing that is if you're maybe, maybe you're a year away from officially retiring and you have decided you're going to roll over your retirement plan. And so you don't want to be exposed to what we're talking about, this volatility in the stock market. You may want to push it all over to something very safe, which then you will roll over to an IRA and then turn around and invest it in longer term with a portion of it always being in stocks. And so I I will say a couple of things. Obviously, you know, the disclosure every time is going to depend on your personal situation. And a few things you want to consider are, one, you know, what is that 401k to you? You know, if that 401k is your only investment and you are going to, and it looks like you're going to depend on it a lot for income in retirement, you need to be more conservative than someone who, you know, that 401k is just a small part of their portfolio. They have other investments outside and they're not going to be um, needing that money very much in retirement. Uh, so, so that's kind of, you know, the one spectrum to look at. Um, but also, you know, as far as how much are you going to depend on it, you know, you know, what are your Social Security benefits? Are those Social Security or pension going to cover much of your expen- expenses? Um, so you might have someone who their 401k is all they have, but they also have a pension and a Social Security that are going to well take care of their needs. Then it doesn't 
matter as much and they can afford to be a little more aggressive with that 401k if they want to let that grow and maybe help that supplement further down the line. So there's considerations like that. Um, but in general, yes, you get a little more conservative with age. Uh, often 401ks have life cycle funds. I, you know, I don't know what you're invested in, but life cycle funds are designed to get more conservative as you age. Um, and, and so, you know, sometimes they'll target say 40% bonds, you know, in your retirement year, something like that. All right, Cindy, we appreciate your call. We need to take another quick break. When we get back, we will continue talking about uh, financial news in the news uh, recently, looking for your personal finance questions as well. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 William's on the line from Starkville. We'll get to his call after the break. Also, it's been an interesting year for Bitcoin. We'll talk about that. And speaking of coins... We'll uh, ask the question about when coins started being used. We'll have that answer for you after this break on Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Everybody's gone. It's just me here. Um, I don't know where they've wandered off to. Uh, Ryder's back. We're here. All right, Kevin's back. Everybody just, I think they were over in that break room getting goodies. (laughs) I know that's what they were doing. Well, this, we are back on Money Talks, and we're talking today about uh, financial news in the news this year. We've got a caller on the line. Earlier in the show, we were talking about some businesses starting to take, uh, uh, not to take cash. And I think William from Starkville is on the line to talk about that. William, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes, a few minutes ago, you were talking about um, uh, businesses that uh, mm-hmm. are commerce that don't take cash. Exactly. I've been around for a, a few decades, many decades, and, and I remember when the, uh, the uh, grid broke down in New York and New, New England 20 years ago and the ice storm that hit the continental Canadian U.S. Uh, east, northeast, in uh, 10 years ago. And uh, there was no way to use credit cards. I wonder what what they uh, how they plan or how they think about uh, uh, carrying on and providing essentials uh, that uh, are necessary for uh, for for people when they when they can't use a, a credit card. I just wondered if they if you think that they <laughs> that they plan for this have ideas or whether just wing it. That's my. Yeah, we're going to move to the barter system. Uh, no, we're not. No. There are backup systems. Yeah. And we know they're out there. I don't quite understand. I've heard talk of uh, floating barges off the coast, uh, Whoa, uh, uh, satellite deep in, issues, yeah. all kinds of things like that. Um, but there are backup systems that will could jump in and cover those. Yeah. And, and one thing so for smaller disruptions, um, 
it looks like um looks like we lost them but for for smaller disruptions and you see this all the time you know power goes out or you know your internet's on the fritz if you have comcast for instance it'll always go out um you a lot of credit card companies a lot of the payment processors have you know they'll have a backup system where it'll roll over to being on a cellular system um and I, or or even it'll just store the information. It'll charge your card later. And I saw this the other day. At uh, I went to a coffee shop and I I ran my card and I noticed I didn't get an immediate notification. And uh, then I looked at and I looked on the you know they have like an iPad display and it said you know system is offline. Uh, so I guess their internet was out at the time that I ran my card. Uh, but a couple hours later, when it came back on, I got the notification. I got the text. Uh, with my receipt and and everything. So, so for smaller disruptions like that, that's, you know, that, that shouldn't be a problem. If it were out for days, you know, that's a little more interesting because, uh, one, you know, if it's out for days, you have a lot of people who don't have these charges showing up, uh, which is a little weird and people get antsy about that. Um, but you also have the problem of the business isn't getting the cash they need. Um, and if the business isn't getting the cash they need, they can't pay the supplier uh, to bring in you know, you know, coffee beans or jeans or whatever they're selling. So for longer um, disruptions, you know, if we just didn't have Internet in the U.S. for a week, it would be pretty chaotic. But I think a lot of people would uh, move to bartering pretty quickly. <laughs> This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your personal finance questions as we talk about some of the recent financial news in the news. The number to call if you have a question is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we asked when coins started being used. They were introduced as a method of payment around the 6th or 5th century B.C. Uh, the invention of coins is shrouded in mystery, According to some historians, coins were first minted by the Lydians. I don't think I've ever heard mm-hmm. of the Lydians. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and understand this difference between what we call fiat money and commodity money. So commodity money has value in and of itself. And so we used to... Bef- like, a, like a barrel of oil. Like a barrel gonna of go, oil. Can you trade like, that for uh, a barrel of coffee? Here's a barrel of oil and yeah, give me a barrel of coffee. Um, uh, we used to barter everything. Uh, Ryder mentioned barter, but that's a very inexact process. Mm-hmm. Um, the value of each of those items may not be exact. How do you store the rest of that? Commodity money came into play and uh, at one time uh, sand was used. Uh, it kind of standardizes bartering. Yeah, you know, sort of it, it does. It makes it, it's a, because money is a medium of exchange. Right. Um, we've used whale teeth in the past, um, but some of those currencies, that money that we use, had value in and of itself. Gold has value mm-hmm. in and of itself. And then we move to... it's pretty. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, fiat money, and fiat money has value because of the institution that is producing that money, who is minting those coins. And so that's where currency got attached to a particular government mm-hmm. or institution. And the the stability of that government, mm-hmm. that institution, determined the value of that money. And so that's where we have coins, which brings us to 
Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin. Yeah, jump in, Ryder. <laughs> okay, so uh, what we the the article that has inspired this is Bitcoin's epic plunge continues. Uh, keep in mind, around this time last year, we were talking about how high Bitcoin was. It was up to eighteen thousand dollars, I believe, uh, which was crazy high for something which started out as like fractions of a penny. Uh, only several years earlier. Um, and one of the things to, to, to consider here is that, you know, so don't think, you know, oh, you know, everyone who started out in Bitcoin started out with, you know, a penny, a coin. No, no. I mean, most of the people in Bitcoin now, uh, I mean, interest grows as it gets more value. That's kind of been the pattern for the past few well, years. Well, but my point with Bitcoin and this attachment to a government or an institution, the value of Bitcoin was that it was not. That it could right. be accepted in any country and used in any country for any type of good and for cross-border trading. It was great. Right. So it's kind of one thought is it's a it's a medium of exchange that is not attached to a central authority. Um, you know, it's not attached to the government, it's not attached to a specific bank. Um, now, it's still it is used as a medium of exchange. Kind of I was talking about it the other day with some folks and originally it started out, you know, oh, this is a medium exchange. It has great promise. And maybe even it could be used as a store of value. Maybe the Bitcoin itself will have value. Um, and, and that was kind of the first stage of it. Lots of interesting, you know, thoughts, lots of interesting, um, you know, predictions there. And then it kind of turned into a joke. And all of the sort of Bitcoin-like things or cryptocurrencies as they came. Yeah, but we do think... <laughs> Um, we're going to move towards some type of digital currency that can be accepted across borders. We've had new ones come along other than Bitcoin. And so we're going to yeah. see how that uh, progresses. Yeah. So and, and one thing that has been, you know, there's a lot more money in there. There's a lot there's a lot more people looking at it and figuring out better solutions with Bitcoin, with cryptocurrency. Uh, so we're kind of, you know, moving beyond just the pure joke stage of it um, and back to, you know, there are companies uh, taking Bitcoin, uh, making products, uh, you know, selling goods and services with Bitcoin. So, well, you know, see where that goes. But with cryptocurrency, you don't have any physical thing in your wallet or anything. Well, if you have a card, all you have is a card. It's it, true. It, you know, yeah. it, it's kind of that it, we're we're taking these steps towards this different type of currency or different type of money. All dollars are anyway, for the most part. Most dollars are are just an entry on a spreadsheet somewhere. You know, all my dollars in the bank, I just know they're there because I just look online. Um, you know that there's no there's there's no pile of of dollar bills in some room that has my name on it. And even these days, there no there's no set of gold bars to even back those dollars. Right. My pile of money wouldn't be very big at the bank anyway. So <clears throat> uh, we have an email here that says, "Could you please tell me what percent tax I can expect to have to pay for an inherited annuity?" Oh my goodness! Um, the problem. With inheriting an annuity is you don't get what's called the stepped-up cost basis. And the stepped-up cost basis is um, on the date of that person's death, whatever the value is of that thing, that becomes as if that's what you paid for it. And if you turned around and sold it, then you would have very little capital gain on that. Um, with an annuity, you inherit 
the basis that that person put into the annuity. Mm -hmm. And so when you take money out of it, part of that will be the original purchase of the annuity and part of it will be a gain. The other problem on an annuity is you're not going to pay tax based on a capital gain. You're going to pay tax based on your income tax rate, whatever that is. And so you're going to have to talk to the annuity company to find out what is the basis. They have to have it recorded. And if you took all of that money out, they may have to do a calculation and send it to you and tell you how much you would have to declare on your income taxes as income and then go visit your CPA to see how much that will cost you. Yeah. And just uh, another couple things. Typically, you'll have a couple different options when you inherit the annuity, how you withdraw it. Some, they they may say, oh, you know, we kind of want you to take this out, you know, as soon as you can, one lump sum. Um, but a lot will let you spread that out over five years. And um, nicely enough, we have about five years of this low tax rate. Uh, so if you're just looking at it to minimize your taxes, it might make sense just to set up a scheduled you know, I'm going to withdraw one fifth of it every year. Um, but as Nancy said, the, your your tax rate is going to depend on one. What is your top income tax rate already without that annuity? And two, what is the cost basis and total amount of that annuity? And remember, an annuity, um, in the sense of a product, is an insurance contract, and so. What happens when you inherit it depends on what's in that contract. That contract will dictate, as Ryder said, you have to take it out in five years, you have to take it in a lump sum, or you can spread it out over your lifetime. So uh, we're going to take one final break this hour. You know, we're not a health show, but the EpiPen was in the financial news this uh, year. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, we'll uh, continue to take your personal finance questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. Here's a question for you to think about during the break. What are the highest paying jobs in Mississippi? We'll have the answer for you when we get back. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We are today talking about uh, some of the financial news that's been in the news uh, recently. Also been taking some personal finance questions. If you have one, still time to work in a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can also email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we asked about the 10 highest paying jobs in Mississippi. Uh, if you're in healthcare, you're in luck because this list says that the 10 highest paying jobs are pediatricians, general surgeons, anesthesiologists, internists, general psychiatrists, obstetricians and gynecologists, family and general practitioners, physicians and surgeons, uh, dentists, 
uh, health specialty teachers and post-secondary teachers. So either if you're in health care or teaching about it, it seems like that would be uh, the, the job for you in Mississippi. And if you are wondering, where does all that money come from to pay those folks, this next story is for you. The EpiPen was certainly in the news. Uh, Ryder, what do you have there? So, and um, drug price hikes uh, have been in the news a lot. EpiPen was one particularly wild one. Uh, they raised the the seller Mylan over a period of time raised the price from ninety four dollars for two pens. Which, you know, just a reminder, they're used kind of an emergency um, allergic uh, allergic reactions. You know, if you get you know stung by bees and you're terribly allergic, boom, EpiPen, you're good to go. Um, not exactly good to go. This is not medical advice. Um, but they were selling for $94 uh, for two pins, life-saving pin here. Um, they slowly raised the price up to 608 A uh, big outcry over that because that's really expensive. And, and the article does point out that you, nobody really pays the list price for medicine. Their insurance, their pharmacy, their doctor, they're all going to have you know ways of lowering that price. But that is... That's the price. Someone is paying that. And, 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 you know, while, yes, some of that gets negotiated away, that is more money that drug manufacturers are making. And so that's more money that is going from consumers' pockets, sick consumers' pockets, into uh, the healthcare industry. So that's how those folks are getting paid uh, so well. Um, and they point out that there's a number of generic alternatives coming out. And uh, kind of laughably, one of them is, you know, the prices that they're saying this is a low price. It's $250 a pair. Now, if you remember, just a couple years ago, they were selling for only $94 a pair. So there's still a massive, massive, massive profit margin. There's still a large amount of money um, being made selling these. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We've got uh, Greg on the line with a question for us. Greg, you're on the air, so go ahead, please. Well, hi. Uh, you folks are great. Great show. Thanks. Uh, stimulates a lot of questions. Uh, I really have two. One of them, while listening to you, came to me. Uh, the first one is, um, you know, on, a, on, on actual U.S. money, it says this instrument good for all debts, public and private. So I'm wondering about the legality of companies that don't take actual cash um, technically, would that not be illegal if you brought out real money and handed it to them? Well, I, I think the problem there is um, any private company is not really, I mean, if they say we only take the cards and you only have cash, are they going to have some way to deny selling you the product? Yes. Well, I'll go back to the thing that the, the, the U.S. money actually says that this instrument is good for all debts, public and private. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that it, it seems like it. I understand. Uh, yeah. But um, I'm not sure how you could pursue that in court, I, which you right. really want to. You know, I think that's actually a really interesting question about, you know, what does legal tender mean? And um, there is a legal show coming up next, so possibly we could quiz them. But one thing, you know, again, pointing out most dollars, you know, most dollars are not, you know, printed out in 
uh, lovely blend of, is it cotton and silk? Is that what they're made? I, f- I forget. Anyway, right. a very washable blend of fabrics um, for your for your dollars. Most of your dollars, the same legal tender dollar, the same, the same backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government dollars are, again, just... Just entries in a database right. with your name next right. to them. So, so like they're still okay. taking dollars, um, you know, it, it, even if it even if it is a credit card. Uh, but well, that's a really good right. that's a really good point about uh, what does legal tender mean? Because I mean, I think that always kind of comes up, and you always think about oh, well, what does I, that mean? And I then go you back forget. To Sweet Greens and say, <laughs> here's yeah. my ten dollars, and stand there and wait to see if they give me something to eat. Yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> I do have one other question, and it's uh, – hopefully it's not complicated. I have a SEP IRA, S-E-P IRA, mm-hmm. and I have put uh, a, a considerable amount of money in it, and it was all uh, at pretty much a, a very high tax rate initially, so it saved a lot in taxes. Now, I also have uh, a, a great deal of income from a private <laughs> – I'm a a private business. So uh, the current tax rate, which was just passed, is 20% on people that have their own business or an S-Corp or a um, um, any, as long as it's your own business. Right, but there is a... So when I pull that money out of my SEP IRA... Will I pay at the 20% rate, which is the current law, or will it be considered regular income and be taxed at whatever rate that uh, I happen to pay at that time? It's going to be taxed at whatever your income tax rate is at that time. Um, Understand that 20% um, reduction on business income has a cap to it. And so you have to look at whether you're filing uh, singly or jointly, and it considers all of your income when looking at that cap as to whether you get that reduction. And so when you start to take money out of your SEP, that's going to be added to that. And so you just need to talk to your CPA, and maybe you can, because you are self-employed, you can uh, stack some years where you have higher incomes in some years and lower in others to help offset some of that. All right, Greg, we appreciate your call. That is going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. Or you can listen to the podcast. Search for Money Talks with your favorite podcast app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.